This podcast is a production of Restoring the Core, an initiative designed to assist those looking to explore classic Christianity with Connected Age resources online at restoringthecore.com. This is Finding Hidden Treasure, Episode 98. This episode is part one of the audio of an article which I wrote for the Ashland Theological Journal entitled, The Morning and Evening Sacrifice, A Sacrifice of Praise Through the Psalms. My purpose in writing the article was to lay the foundation for a connection between the twice-daily sacrifice of a lamb, one in the morning and one in the evening, with an ongoing, purposeful sacrifice of thanksgiving to God in Christ by means of reading and praying from the book of Psalms. I hope you will find the following to be instructive, as well as motivating you to begin or continue, as the case may be, a purposeful daily sacrifice of praise to our great God in Christ. The morning and evening sacrifice, a sacrifice of praise through the Psalms. The need for memory. Every nation must have a collective memory if it is to survive. Memory is the core of its history. Even though no living Americans have a personal memory of President George Washington, we would still remember him as our first president. Without a national memory, we would soon forget what it means to be an American. Memory serves us individually as well. It roots us to our community, family, and even ourselves. It is not uncommon to find family photographs on our desks at work or stuffed inside a wallet. We do this not because we cannot remember these loved ones without such photographs. Rather, we do it because the photos serve as a periodic reminder during the day of those who love us and of our life beyond the confines of work. Christians need memory too. Without it, we begin to forget the one who loves us and died for us. The world has a way of trying to force its attention and its priorities into our lives. David Wells likens the world's influence on us to a constant pounding. He writes that such a pounding is made up of the pressures, demands, and expectations of our modern culture that combine to deliver the message that we must belong to it, not simply in the sense that we must live in it, but rather that we must live by it, emphasis added. This threat is not a new one. Throughout church history, Christians have found various ways of fulfilling the command to remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. Numerous devotional practices have developed as Christians have sought to keep their minds on heavenly things rather than on the things of this world. Christians throughout the centuries have used various means of remembering God on a frequent basis. In many cultures, roadside pilgrim crosses were set up as reminders of Christ and to serve as sites for travelers' prayers. These crosses acted as a thread of memory, which connected the traveler to Christ. There are two special threads of memory which can keep us connected to Christ. These threads have been used for millennia by those faithful to God. When woven together, these threads provide a time-tested pattern for communing with Christ and keeping Him in our memory the first thread, a timely sacrifice. When God was preparing his people Israel to enter the promised land of Canaan, the Lord gave specific commands to Moses concerning the rituals of worship which he wanted of his people. Among the many requirements given to Moses, God commanded a twice daily sacrifice. He commanded the daily sacrifice of two lambs a year old, offer one in the morning and the other at twilight. This set in place the pattern for the morning and evening sacrifice. Over the next several centuries, the worship of God was centered in the tent of meeting, described in Exodus chapters 25 through 27. 
After King David later made Jerusalem the capital of the nation, he desired to build God a permanent house to replace the tent of meeting. God told David that his son Solomon was the one to build the temple. Yet, David was allowed to make plans and provisions for that future house of God. One of the provisions required a change of priestly functions for the Levites. Since the Levites would no longer need to take down and set up the tent of meeting, God, through David, gave them a new assignment. The Levites were now to stand every morning to thank and praise the Lord. They were to do the same in the evening. The morning and evening sacrifice was beginning to take on a devotional character. As Israel's history progressed, the devotional component of the morning and evening sacrifice grew. Prayer was now being likened to the evening sacrifice. The psalmist writes in Psalm 141 verse 2, May my prayer be set before you like incense. May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice. The twice-daily sacrifices also had become time markers for the people of Israel. In Elijah's confrontation with the prophets of Baal, the writer of 1 Kings indicates that Elijah's sacrifice to God occurred at the time for the evening sacrifice. During the Babylonian captivity, with the temple in Jerusalem in ruins and all but a few of the inhabitants either dead or deported, Daniel offers a prayer to God and receives an answer from the angel Gabriel about the time of the evening sacrifice. Even after the period of exile in Babylon, the writer of the book of Ezra points out that Ezra ends an hours-long period of abasement before the Lord and begins a prayer of confession for the sin of his people at the time of the evening sacrifice. Enter the church. The church further developed the practice of a morning and evening sacrifice. Since Christ's death was the ultimate once-for-all and perfect sacrifice, the original morning and evening sacrifice of a lamb would no longer be necessary or even appropriate. Yet the scriptures call us to a continual sacrifice. It is not a bloody animal sacrifice or an offering of grain or wine. We are called to a sacrifice of praise. The writer of Hebrews reminds us that, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that confess his name. Early in church history, Christians continue the pattern of prayer and praise started by their Old Testament counterparts. Not only did morning and evening prayer continue, but additional times of prayer developed as well. Using Psalm 119, verse 164 as its mandate, seven times a day I praise you for your righteous laws, Christians developed fixed-time prayer with up to seven times a day specified as special hours of prayer. Standardized forms and fixed times for prayer arose early in church history. The Didache, a manual for church practice dating to the late 1st or early 2nd century, regarded the Lord's Prayer as a fixed format prayer to be said continually by the Christian faithful. It instructs its readers to pray the Lord's Prayer and to say this prayer three times every day. Early church fathers, such as Clement of Alexandria, circa 150 to circa 215, and Tertullian, circa 160 to circa 225, suggested the use of fixed times of prayer throughout the day. Hippolytus, writing around A.D. 217, recommended seven specific times of daily prayer. The first is upon waking in the morning, the second at 9 a.m., the third at noon, the fourth at 3 p.m., the fifth at bedtime, the sixth at midnight, the seventh is at dawn. He used several biblical texts as patterns for these set times of prayer. He writes that the reason for a 9 a.m. time of prayer, for example, is that it was at that hour Christ was nailed to the tree.
John Chrysostom, writing in 83-88, urged believers in Christ to set aside a time of prayer in church at dawn before going to work. This would be a time to thank God and make your prayers and confessions to the God of all things. Likewise, he instructs the Christian that at evening he should return here to the church and render an account to the master of his whole day and beg forgiveness for his falls. Corporate morning and evening prayer was finding expression in places such as Jerusalem. In AD 384, a Spanish traveler named Egeria wrote a detailed account of her pilgrimage to Jerusalem. In this account, she noted that prayer services were daily being held at the site of the Lord's resurrection. These services were no small gatherings. Starting before dawn, the monks, virgins, and some laypersons met for hymns, prayers, and psalms until sunrise. There were also services at noon, 3 p.m., and the evening lucernaire at the time of the lighting of the lamps at 4 p.m., at which time further prayers, hymns, and psalms were offered until dusk. The monastic movement continued this practice with the development of seven canonical, that is, ordered by church rule, hours. These hours roughly correspond to Hippolytus's hours. They are matins and lauds at dawn, prime at 6 a.m., terse at 9 a.m., sext at noon, nun at 3 p.m., vespers at sunset, and compline at night. In observance of these hours, the clergy were required to recite the divine office a complicated set of prayers that changed every day. These prayers consisted of various hymns, passages from scripture, and the psalms with specific readings found in a book called the Breviary. During the Middle Ages, it was not uncommon to have the morning and evening prayers sung in church. In England, these services were open to both the laity and the clergy. F.A. Gasquet wrote, In some of the larger parish churches, a considerable portion of the divine office as well as the Mass, was sung daily. A note in the Church Warden's accounts of St. Michael's Cornhill, London, written in 1538, asked prayers for Richard Atfield, sometime parson of the Church, for that he, with the consent of the bishop, ordained and established matins, that's morning prayer, high Mass, and evensong, that's evening prayer, to be sung daily in the year 1375. This had been done regularly for 163 years, and the hours at which the various services were held would appear to have been matins 6 a.m., high mass 9, and evensong on workdays at 2 p.m. As medieval piety developed, literate laypersons desired to copy the pattern of the prayers and special hours for prayer which the monks followed. Weick points out, with increasing wealth and education, the late medieval laity began to covet both the clergy's prayers and its books, particularly the breviary. They sought a book like the breviary, but easier to use and more pleasing to the eye. The Book of Hours became that book. Fixed Hour Prayer was, once again, becoming a practice of the everyday Christian. Thank you for listening to this program. We can be contacted at mail at restoringthecore.com. We're on Facebook at facebook.com slash restoring the core. You can also follow us on Twitter at restore the core. My original blog is still active. It is found at school of the solitary Thank you for listening. Please join us next time for finding hidden treasure. <laughs>